But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passage of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. We want to do that, right? I keep asking that question. We hear that verse. Uh, but it's important to continue to ask ourselves. We want to do this, right? That people would see our good deeds, see our lives in Christ, and, and so what? I'm going to keep repeating it because I think this is the theme and something we need to catch. It is so that we can take as many with us as possible, right? We want to take as many with us as possible. And we can't lose that passion, that focus. Let's pick it up from Peter. Let's run with it. Uh, so if you're looking uh, at your Bibles, if you want to open them with me, somebody get excited. We're opening God's Word together. Come on. Let's get it open to First Peter. If you've gone to Revelation, you've gone too far. Go a little further back. If you're confused by my accent, you say Peter. I say Peter. Same, same. Are you there with me? First Peter chapter 4. Learning about being sojourners, a brand, a label that maybe you're associating more with now that we've been in this for a few weeks, week six. And Peter's addressing suffering throughout this book, this letter that you're going to experience living in modern day Babylon, which is where we live right now. It's a time, it's a place, and we are foreigners just passing through. Anyone? Yes, you identify with that? Here we go. 1 Peter 4, 1. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time is past suffices, the, sorry, for the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. Verse 7, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling as each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray quick. Lord, we just posture ourselves once again before your word, before you, and ask, Holy Spirit, would you lead us and guide us, move us to change, Holy Spirit, to align with who 
uh, you are, Christ, to, to make us more like you. And if there's anything, Lord God, that you uh, want to cut out of our lives, we expect today that you do that, Lord, that um, yeah, you would remove anything that's not of you, uh, that you would call it out uh, by your Holy Spirit, that you would use your word uh, to, to convict and uh, to strengthen us for this living in uh, modern-day Babylon that as sojourners. Would you use your word this morning? We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Awesome. Hey, if you're going through stuff or you've been through stuff, Peter's saying, I got something for you. I have a word for you, he's saying. Uh, he's connecting with people who are in suffering uh, because of where they're at, but actually, specifically, he's also going to speak to the suffering uh, that any believer um, any follower of Christ is going to deal with a suffering that may be associated with sin in our lives. Associated with sin. You say, well, what suffering? Well, there's a lot of suffering that associates with sin that we could. But I'm going to spe- specifically pick up here on how Peter talks about it. So some may even say the book itself is, is all about suffering, which it is. But the motivation is to why would Peter, that's the question I've asked, why would Peter want to talk to us about suffering? And I would say, my interpretation of this is that there was bigger motivation than just talking about suffering for all believers. It was so that, again, we would take as many people with us as possible. Right? Peter is this old um, sage who's gained some wisdom and he says, okay, the topic of Suffering is important if we're going to uh, win this race, if we're going to take as many with us as possible. So he's motivated to say, hey, what, what will be helpful? And the Holy Spirit is inspiring this word, and he pins it for the church, especially in northern Turkey. And that in this region, um, he's, his concern uh, moves towards the suffering with sin. And um, if you remember, I, I had this... Um, uh, picture of suffering and, and God and the, what I associated with. Um, my mom owned a Christian bookstore when I was growing up, so we had lots of t-shirts that uh, she would get in back in the 80s and 90s. And so if I'm talking about something you know nothing about, or I'm talking about something you wish you didn't know about because you're not really willing to say how old you are, it's okay. Um, I'll speak for us. I had the shirt that said the Lord's Gym on it, right? And there was a phrase that went along with that. Uh, I think it was on the back or around it or whatever. Um, do you guys remember the phrase? Anybody want to admit they're a little bit older? The phrase that went with the Lord's Gem shirt. Do you remember? No. He's, he's, he's bench pressing. Uh, his pain, my gain. Because it's a play on like, why would you work out, right? You've got to get through the pain of it. More pain, more gain. His, it was, so it was a play on that. You're like, that's an awesome t-shirt. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Some great conversations as I walked down the street wearing that. Um, but it is, it's this idea that his suffering is my gain, which is absolute, right? That's, that's the gospel. And I am saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ who suffered. And when he suffered and died on the cross, his blood shed, his body broken for me, right, in my place. Now, I don't suffer uh, in separation from God for eternity, but, right, that's the big but is I still live here on earth. And so Peter's talking not about the suffering that you must suffer uh, to earn your salvation, but he's saying there's a suffering because you live in this world for a season, for a time. 
and, and living here, there's going to be this suffering, especially as you, as you take on that identity as sojourner, to be separate from the world, to be different, is going to bring it all kinds of suffering. But then Peter even accentuates and says, no, actually there's suffering uh, and, and a suffering in just being a sinner and departing from sin, there's suffering that was with that. And so he says this about that kind of suffering. He says, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. So he gives us this uh, militant type phrasing for us to pick up. You don't get that a lot in the gospels in terms of how we're supposed to live for Christ um, it's not often that it's militant, but Paul uses it in terms of uh, just how we should approach things with the, um, the, uh, the sword of the spirit and the belt of truth, the shoes of peace. Like we don't literally put those things on, but it is a similar way. It's a way of thinking. It's a posturing myself in a way. So militant, the militant thinking here is towards, and I'll make sure we're clear about this, it's not towards others that are not of God. It's actually my thinking towards sin, my thinking towards this world and its enticing and uh, temptations that are all around, how, how are you supposed to think about it? How are you supposed to live this out? And Peter says, arm yourself. When you hear that, and it's, and it's militant in nature, what do you think? I'm going to prepare for battle. That's a, that's, a, that's a way of thinking. Be battle ready with this. A determined attitude. Think about Christ going to the cross and suffering for us. That is the thinking that you and I are now told by Peter that we should have. A determined attitude. Think about him praying with the Father and saying, Hey, if you would pass this cup, yet your will be done. Right? Like, you're the only one who can take this cup, Father, away from me. But, like, your will be done. I'm, I'm determined. He gets arrested. We're going to talk about this in coming weeks as we get towards Easter. And then just his willingness to submit and continue, even, even though Peter armed himself differently. Right? He saw the things that were happening against Jesus, and he wanted to stand against it. And so he ripped out his sword and, and got militant in that way. And this is not that. This is militant in attitude towards sin or the ways of the world. And he describes it in a way that there's suffering that goes with that. We'll get into that. He wants us to be focused. Peter says, obviously, for good reason, this. When we talk about sin in our lives, there's all kinds of responses and I'm, I'm purposely not going to drill down into what is sin and, and all that. I'm coming with an assumption that you understand what that is. But Jesus talked about sin in this way, in, in a similar way. He said, if you're having a hard time with your eye because you keep on sinning, then just take your eye out. Or if it's your hand, just take it off. Then you won't sin. Now, I don't really want anybody to do that today. I don't really want to have to clean up the mess but there's an idea here of the type of attitude required to be a sojourner or that we're encouraged with. And I just don't know if in this day and age, if we talk about it like this enough, the kind of attitude and arming ourselves 
against what would entice us to go away from God's design in our lives. Have you considered, and I would love for you to do this right now as you sit there, your sin in this way. And maybe it's a battle with sin. Maybe it's an area of your life that, that you've been battling with something that just keeps coming up in your life. Your, your battle, frame it with Peter, with sin should be faced by you with this same attitude, determination that Christ applied as he endured the suffering on the cross. That's what Peter's saying. And that's important for us because I think sometimes we think like, okay, I've got, my, I've got my ticket to heaven. I'm in Christ, right? And there shouldn't be this struggle now, right? I, I've got, I'm in. If you've lived as a believer for any amount of time, you know that's, that's not the case. Salvation is salvation. Working out that salvation, working with Christ and living for Christ with heaven in mind as sojourners, as we pass through, is something very different. And Peter is talking about that. How we live from, from here and knowing Christ, with Christ, what does that look like? And he says, be self-controlled. Be self-controlled. It's verse seven. And I've heard people say, well, Bryce, man, I, like, why should I have to think about that I, I'm comfortable in life, knowing I have Christ, I have hope, I don't have a whole lot of bad things that I do or going on in my heart or my life. Why should I be so concerned with sin? Well, I think Paul addresses that when he says, 1 Corinthians uh, in 6.12, he says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. But uh, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Paul's really blunt. Peter's really blunt. They're saying very similar things here. Our attitude towards sin it, is important. He just described us as a holy priesthood set apart for his purposes. That we're building this spiritual house. Right? What does that look like? That means looking very different from the world. Our bodies purchased, like our soul, and then as we turn around, our souls purchased, but our bodies also become members with Christ. So as Christ followers, what we do with our body actually matters. That's why Paul says in Romans 12, therefore, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, right? I'm paraphrasing here, but to say that you should offer up your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship, your ongoing worship. And thanks to God is to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And there's a blessing that Peter refers to too. Then you will know and you'll be able to attest this is God's will for your life. Meaning you'll have clarity in your relationship with God and the world. Meaning you'll understand what is right, what is wrong, where you should go, where you should spend your time. What is that? That's called focus. Peter and Paul are really uh, heavy on this. Paul says Hebrews, or we think Paul says in Hebrews 12.4, lay aside the weight. That's how he says it there. Run with patience. 
Many of us carry this distraction. When he says wait there, it's really anything that would resist you understanding or knowing God's will for your life. Is there anything in your life right now that could be a distraction from God's will, plan, and purpose for you in a daily basis? Or even go moment to moment. Paul has something really important for us to understand here. So let's just go back here uh, to verse 1. 1 Peter 4, 1 says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with this attitude, right? The same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So he addresses the suffering that goes with sin. If you, whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Meaning, and if you've been through, if you've got a habitual sin in your life, something that has been something, you, maybe you've given up. Maybe you're there right now, you're like, there is a sin in my life. I know it's sin, I, I just cannot fight the battle. You've given up, you're like, whatever. Maybe you understand when, I, when I'm talking about sin now, you can recognize in your mind, like, oh, I could easily go into that sin in my life. Easily, that, that, yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm trying. If you're trying, or you've battled that sin, or you've given up on that sin, or whatever, wherever you're at, then you understand what, what Peter's referring to. There's a suffering that goes on when you stop something, because why? You, just to be real, right? Sin is, the sum of it's like awesome. Like why else would you want to sin if it wasn't awesome, right? It feels good. Say, Bryce, don't elaborate. No, I will. Like for real. Be real with yourself. Sin is enticing because it tastes good, feel good, is good, looks good, right? No? Okay. Uh, okay, cool. I'll talk to the other guys. I'll talk to this front row right here. Uh, sin can be tasty, right? Sin can look good. Sin is fun. <laughs> yes? Yes. Thank you, Lucas. I want to make sure I'm preaching to people that understand what I'm talking about. You, do you understand what I'm saying to be true? Because we will ignore this sometimes as Christians. Like, we're just like, ah, oh, sin's so bad. I don't need that in my life. I'm fine. Um, and then we sin. Because our attitude towards sin is sin's just, it's not enticing. And so what do we do? We let down our guard. We're not armed for battle. Peter's saying like, your attitude, your vision of what sin is matters. If you will identify today that sin looks good and you know it's not of God, what will you do? You'll do something to guard against it. You'll be ready for battle as opposed to dabbling in it and maybe figuring out what's good and what's bad what's not right Peter sharing wisdom as a sage an old dude who's walked that walk right and he says direct sensuality passions drunkenness orgies drinking party and, and lawless idolatry so for example right sensuality today you say well that's really easy not to be a part of, okay? But you will flick through Facebook. You will flick through social media. You will flick through movies you might not want to watch, but you see, like, the, what they're talking about when he talks about this list is everything that they could participate in that was right on their doorstep. When you got off of work or you're working with people and you're going to connect after work, these were all available, there was an act of worship 
to be in a sexual orgy. Totally dismissible as just part of life. Lawless idolatry. Idolizing figures and putting people up because of their smarts in that culture. Unfounded is another word. Unfounded idolatry, right? Lifting something up that's not worth lifting up. Drunken and, and drinking parties. It's drinking with the destination you know to be now out of control. No longer in control of myself. So the intent, he's talking to the intent there. He's saying, this is what the world is inviting you into and it's right there, okay? It's right there. And so as we look at that list, easy to dismiss maybe as we look over it, oh, because those things aren't available anymore. And yet they all are. Because what is Peter referring to? The battle of the mind. The way of thinking. Where sin is going to get you is in our mind first. But he's addressing the desires of the heart. So you desire something, someone in the room here, most of us in the room here, want an affirmation. That's a desire of the heart. You want to be loved. You want care. You want to be nurtured. You want to be known. You want to be needed. And so the enemy puts out things like sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry so that you'll go, I can get that there. And so you go there in your mind, then you go there physically. So it starts in the heart with a desire, then you move through this pattern, you arrive at sin you still with me and so porn pornography has been a, the pandemic of all pandemics right that, that exists multi-billion dollar industry in America sex trafficking goes with it we don't want to admit that but that goes with it Sound of Freedom great, great movie but a horrific reality of the world we live in. And most men are either stuck in it or dabbling in it. And many females are stuck in it or are dealing with the repercussions of someone dealing with it. And it's right on the doorstep of every time you entertained or lean in for entertainment anywhere what was Peter addressing Peter was addressing the entertainment of the day and so I just want you to think just ignore just for a second ignore that list because I think it's a distraction and we'll just slap on that entertainment living with the desire to be entertained as opposed to living with the desire to do the will of God and very quickly that come on be real guys I want to talk to you for a second how many of us work our tails off give to our families get exhausted now again someone here in the room is going to be offended because I'm just talking to guys but hear me out I'm a dude and so I'm going to talk to this and I'm just because I need to talk to the guys real quick alright whether you're single married uh, widowed whatever wherever you're at dudes look at me guys 
you give everything you've got, you get to the end of the day and you might say something to the effect of, I just need some me time. And in that me time to, to blank out, to switch off, you go to something that's going to help you switch off. That's a comfort. It might be a movie, it might be a book, it might be whatever entertainment it is. And at that moment, that focus of your time is leading you into sin. And you give it five minutes, which turns into an hour, or 30 minutes, whatever it is, and it doesn't take you anywhere good. And so I'm calling on you to think about, rethink. You're switching off. And maybe make that switch off be your switch on. At the end of giving everything at the end of the day, what if you would take that, that moment and say, you know what, I'm going to switch myself on to the passions that God has given me, the desire, I want to switch on all those passions and I want to give them and entrust them to God. I'm going to take five minutes, and my challenge to you guys, take five minutes at the end of the day when you've given everything you can and I want you to give all that you've given and I want you to entrust it to God with five minutes of prayer. And as you do, if you'll write it down, I promise you, you'll get switched on for the passions of God that he has designed and desired for you at the end of the day instead of switching off and getting the world to have the last word, you're going to give God the last word. And get switched on for Jesus every night. What has happened as I've been doing this as a pattern is I'll wake up the next day and you know what I start thinking about? The things that populated my prayer last night. You know where I get my focus? It's from the night before when I got switched on for Jesus. Too long this world is taking us sojourners and getting the last word when it comes to sensuality and sin. And Peter's saying, just stop. Some of you gave up on the battle. I want to tell you today, right now, you need to stop sinning, as Peter's saying. Say, Bryce, that sounds really hard and easy at the same time. It is really hard, really easy to stop in that suffering that you go through as you're stopping Okay, in that, God's going to bless you with clarity. He's going to bless you with a thinking of determination, I believe, as you put this to practice. I believe that following that and that suffering, if you listen to where Peter goes next, that there's, there's an awesome determination that us sojourners can have that is going to help and effectively enforce our bringing as many people with us as possible. But it starts first with saying, God, I don't, want, I don't want sin in my life. I don't want and need that comfort. I want you to be the one that comforts me. Okay, hopping off that. Verse three. For the time that is past, meaning all that we've done, suffices. That's enough. <laughs> For doing what the Gentiles want to do. Some of us need to put that on the wall somewhere, right? Time's up. We've spent enough time doing what the world wants us to do. We've spent enough time. And let's refocus. I think of uh, this this week, um, there was a quarterback uh, who did this. Mahomes, I think his name is. Uh, I don't know football. Patrick, is that it? Did I get it right? Yes. I made a football thing. Um, feel like one of you. Um, Patrick Holmes said this. He said, hey, guys, team, if 
if you all will show up and play the game and win the game, I'll bring you back to Vegas. Peter's saying, all right, if you all will take this life, show up, right? Understand what winning is. Win the game, bring as many with you as possible. When we get into heaven, the parties are gonna be off the hook. Somebody get excited, right? Our party in heaven will way outdo any party here on earth. And I'm saying party, not potty, just to make that distinction. Party. It's going to be incredible. Food is going to taste amazing. The, obviously, Jesus being the light of the party, I can like the mirror bowl that's in the middle of your party making shiny lights everywhere. Jesus is going to be that for us. I don't know. I made that up. But it's going to be pretty awesome. Some of us, you know, this question matters right now, but think about it for a second. What is the normal activities the normal activities uh, that you do to connect with people, the passing of time, the entertainment that you give yourself to throughout the week that is taking your focus off of winning the game. Take that moment, right? And then re-envision why we're here and where we're going. Like Patrick Mahomes did. Hey guys, matters is winning the game. When you want to have fun, I'll fly you on my payment. Just like Jesus said, on my payment, I'm going to give you a new world, a new heaven, a new earth. Come on. Pat, I think Patrick might be reading the Bible. Right? Because he just did what Jesus did. Then he goes on to say that we need to live in this spirit the way that God does. And again, just another phrasing there of taking everything that would hinder us from being focused, anything that would be a weight, and he says, take it off. And then Peter comes undone. Verse seven, this is, like, this is, this is my thought of Peter coming undone, looks like this. The end of all things is at hand, therefore be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Get back to that. Above all, keeping, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, as each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's great, very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, do that with glory to God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In other words, what? Be fully enveloped. The end is here, so be self-controlled so that what? So that you can give glory to God or you can be used of God. Why would we uh, be concerned about what, how does Peter get there? Well, you heard Peter repeat a phrase. Peter repeated a phrase. Yes. Peter, you're throwing me off here because I keep seeing you. I'm like, oh, it's Peter. Um, but the phrasing there is important. He repeats a phrase. We should look at that. And it's that your prayers can be hindered. Why would, why would he point to that? Is that like some spiritual thing? If you're a sinner, God doesn't hear your prayers? I think not. You are a holy people and God does hear your prayers. But he also hears the broken person who's lost in their sin praying. Why does he say that it will hinder your prayers? It hinders your prayers because you ain't praying. You're so busy in the world, if you're, if you're lost in sin and you are giving yourself to it, especially if you're a sojourner and half of your life or your evening is spent doing what the world does, guess what? 
He's calling us to. Um, stop doing what the world's doing. Now you've got all this free time. What do you do with it? Pray, right? Saying, guys, the end is near. And that was 2,000 years ago. So what? So pray. And if that's not your attitude, if that's not your focus, then you're wasting your time. says be self-controlled you have to make some adjustments for the sake of your prayers your prayer life your focus you know out of a posture of prayer like that if you're stopping and you're saying I'm going to switch myself off by switching myself on with the things of God I'm going to take myself and give myself to prayer in the evenings instead of giving myself to entertainment you know what it's going to do it's going to sit ablaze to your love for others you're going to start writing things down this is one of the things that surprised me by finishing my day with prayer as I started remembering random things that people were saying randomly throughout the day with their needs or their hardships or whatever if you get a text from me randomly late at night you're like what is Bryce doing? It's because Holy Spirit just dropped your name again. I was like, it's not because like, I'm good at remembering all that stuff. Holy Spirit was just on my case about you to be praying for you. I was probably seeking, how do I pray? Because I got all this time. I don't want to waste it. I don't want to be wasting just praying generically. Give me something. Give me something specific. It's stirred up, and this is what Peter lists. He lists the list to me of what happens when we're postured for end time prayers. Love others, right? I wanted to say something there about, I don't know who thought, about a velvet brick. <coughs> you ever heard of that term? When you love somebody, you bring truth. Just with a good softness to it. When I soak things in prayer, when I have something, beef with somebody, hardship with somebody, instead of it just coming across like a brick when I talk to them, now it's coming across like a velvet brick. Praise God. That's what prayer can do. Because I might not be great at, you know, talking. Let's talk to another uh, husband this week. I don't know how to bring it up. Like, have you prayed about it? No? Well, it's going to be like a brick or a velvet brick. What do you want? I gotta tell her what's going on in my life. Well, have you prayed about it? No. Well, seriously, that could be a brick moment where you know she just she feels it. So why not soak it in prayer? Because it could it could be a velvet brick. Some of you need that. <laughs> I need that. It also leads to what Peter says about showing hospitality to one another. Hospitality, hospitality literally means that now we have no strangers in our lives. Imagine that being part of what God does in your prayer times. That as you're in prayer, God softens your heart towards people that maybe would be strangers in your life, but God motivates and brings up opportunity for you to enter in to people's hearts and, and lives and Ways you hadn't creatively been able to think about. I'm convinced God doesn't want us to live as sojourners with strangers around us, but for us to become uh, connected and in community with others. So Peter calls that out. And then he says, on top of that, use your gifts. If you're gifted in speaking, oracles, 
like with oracles, do it with God's power, God's strength. If, it, it's, if it's serving, do that. And lastly, he says, love God in that list. Seek to bring him glory in everything that you do. And again, if you've been in a spell, a dry spell, where your love for God, and it, it feels like a dimming flame, I would go back to where it started here in verse seven and say, maybe that's where you need to start. Pray. Quit sin. Quit going to entertainment for comfort. In turn, go to God for the comfort that you need to fulfill the desires of your heart as he said he wanted to do. He gave you those desires so no one knows them better. So why not take those to him? And in verse nine, I, f- I believe, is the culmination of all of this thought. Peter puts it into this. He, he gets it. He's walked what we've walked. And he says this. He says, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will. Now, again, we're talking about sin. So you're suffering because you're trying to do the will of God. You're putting sin behind you. So you're transferring from doing the things of this world, which really were comforting and good. So you're trying to, you know, you're suffering because you don't have that comfort anymore, but you're placing it in God. So he's, he's calling out the suffering that you're going through. And he says, do this. Entrust your souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Whoa. You know what that means? It's not, he doesn't use trust. He says, in trust. That's the same picture that we get when someone's going to war, they give their goods to someone. In other words, I don't know if I'm coming back from this. It's in the movie, you know, where the guy goes, well, yeah, my back, you know, goes to do the, the commando thing, he just runs out, I'm gonna die. <laughs> give this note to my mom, right? Peter says, in trust. Deposit all the desires, the comforts, all that stuff that you want, have desired for, prayed for, been longing for, and sin has consumed that space. He says, entrust it to me fully. Deposit it into me. And Peter says, he is faithful to come through and to be that which you need. Even in your suffering, you can experience God coming through for you. When I say, Bryce, I can't give up this thing. Because, whatever that because is, entrust that to God. I feel lonely, Bryce, I need this. Entrust that loneliness to God. Bryce, I feel disconnected. I, I, I don't know if I can survive without this. Entrust your survival to God. Bryce, I've, I've been doing this to, to help just so that I can breathe. I feel like there's a weight on my shoulders, so I do this and I feel like I can breathe again. And whatever sin that is, entrust that to God. Because Peter describes that as the weight that would restrain you from getting the clarity. Here's what happens when we entrust it to God. What happens? You get clarity. And I hear it so often. People come back to me with a smile on their face. Man, that sin, that was gross. 
I'm looking at myself in the past. I don't know how I did it for so long. I feel so light. I, I feel like I could go do this. I could go do this. I could do this. And they, they have all these dreams and vision. I haven't slept like I've slept like this before. Bryce, like life is so free. I'm going, yes. What did you do? You entrusted it, the outcomes to God. And you stopped sinning, praise God. The world, what it's offering you, and this is the lie of the enemy, what it's offering you in the outcomes of your sin is wrong. It's a lie. But we have eaten it, hook, line, and sinker. And so I would say this to us today, church, it might be the right time to live like there's no tomorrow. To have that moment where you just say, man, ah, I'm going to entrust this to God. I don't need this outcome anymore of whatever this did for me. I can give it to Jesus. 2 Timothy 2.19 says, Let everyone in Christ depart from sin. Peter said, Be self-controlled, love others, show hospitality, love God. So I'll ask you today, what if you knew you had one more year to rid yourself of that sin you've been battling with? What would you do today? How would you arm yourself? I would hope you would say with determination for battle. What if you knew you had one more year to love others well, bringing the velvet brick? What would you do? What if you had one more year to rid your life of any strangers? No more strangers. What if you had one more year to bring your love for God to a place of absolute authority in your life, prioritizing Him above all else? I hope we'd start where Peter instructs us to start, with this way of thinking. The same way of thinking that Christ had towards the cross to go and endure it. Church, would you stand with me and with determination? Can we sing this and worship God and in so trusting Him, entrusting Him with all that we have?